0: Uh, before the, do, I do the reading, Ryan, I just wanted to confirm that was all you can eat, hot dogs and burgers, really? That's, I'm there. Uh, this is a reading from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water.
1: Well, good morning again. My name is Pete Armstrong, and I am a pastor here in New York City. I live about a twenty-minute walk or a four-minute and thirty-seven-minute, uh, 4, four, four thirty-seven-second bike ride from here, judging by this morning. And uh, I'm so glad to be with you again. We we had the privilege of being here a few weeks ago for that service Sunday and worshiping with you. And I just found this to be. Uh, such a likable congregation—a congregation that knows um, why God brought them here and, and what um, you know what your mission is—and uh, I'm I'm grateful to be here. Uh, just a little bit about me: uh, my wife and I moved to the city from Seattle two years ago, um, with a vision and a heart to start this church along the Bowery, and uh, that has become Dwell Church. Uh, we're doing once a month worship right now through the summer, and then we'll be starting September 16th. Um, so we're really excited as we build momentum for uh, for the fall. We're really focused on uh, reaching the Bowery. It's a very, very changing neighborhood, um, a neighborhood that's going through uh, a huge process, and we want to just um, be God's voice and heart for that community as it changes. Um, and so we're, you know, we're really excited to be following God's call, as scary as it is at times. And uh, I'm thankful to be invited here to to share the word with you this morning. Uh, this is an incredible passage from, from James three, and uh, I just want to uh, to share several thoughts from you. I've um, you know been familiar with this passage, but I feel uh, as I've been studying it the last couple weeks that God's laid some new insights on my heart and mind, and I'm um, ready to share them with you and, and have our lives be changed and shaped by by this passage. On, um, on Friday night, uh, an estimated 1 billion viewers are going to tune in to something that only happens once every four years. That's, of course, the opening ceremony of the Summer Olympics. And uh, what an incredible celebration for, for the whole world to, to come together, to cheer on the athletes from their own country, to, uh, to put aside differences, and to, uh, to participate in, in a wide range of athletics. Um, it's really an incredible um, couple of weeks to see all these athletes come together and to see um, what they're capable of. And, of course, everyone loves the opening ceremony. Um, there's always a lot of pomp and circumstance. There's always a lot of crazy acrobatics. There's always a lot of what can we do to top the last four years. And everyone will be looking at London to see if they can, uh, if they can top what Beijing did for the opening ceremony. But, of course, the, the reason that they have an opening ceremony, the reason that they kick it off, is for the head of state... To um, to give those those um, you know those all important words, um, you know Queen Elizabeth's going to step up to the microphone at some point on Friday night, and she's going to say, uh, "I won't try to fake a British accent or impersonate her." Um, she's going to get up to the microphone, and she's going to say, "You know, as head of the state, uh, as head of state for England, um, I declare the thirtieth Olympiad open." And that whole stadium's gonna go nuts and, and all of us watching on TV are gonna go nuts. And that's actually the important thing, not all the not all the dancing or the craziness of the opening ceremony. And then actually what they do later in the in the ceremony is they're going to have an athlete, a British athlete, and a British coach make a vow. And that vow is that they'll follow the rules of, of fair sportsmanship. And, um, and follow the rules uh, in each event. And that this will be uh, a fair and equal games for, for all that's involved. And those are really the important things uh, of the ceremony. Those, uh, you know, we, we sign things uh, and we, uh, we, we write down things. But really, the, the vow is what's so important. The words that we speak are really what's so important in so many things, whether we're talking about the opening ceremony of the Olympics, whether we're talking about a wedding vow, whatever it is, words are so, so important. Um, and all of us will enjoy you know, watching the Olympics for a couple weeks, and Bob Costas' words will probably make us cry at some point as we're watching these stories of, of people coming from all over the world. And uh, the words are really what's, what's important. As I think about the power of words and the, the power of this passage, um, I want to I want to argue the thesis that only Jesus can tame our tongue. Um, we're going to we're going to look at that through uh, through three sections. We're going to ask you know why are words powerful? Um, second, we're going to ask um, what are we really doing when we boast and curse? Uh, you know James lays out these these two things that really that's that's why we need to control our tongue because we're always boasting and cursing. So so what, what are we really doing when we do that? And then third. How do we control the tongue? Uh, what does that really look like to, uh, to control our tongue, to be, to be in control of our um, of our whole bodies, as, as James says? So, uh, so first, why are words powerful? Well, I think that they're powerful, first of all, because the scriptures tell us that they're powerful, uh, because the Bible, again and again, from start to finish, um, lays, lays out the power of the spoken word. In Genesis 1-3, it says, And God said, you know, And God said, Let there be light. But it, it begins, the, you know, the entire creation, the entire cosmos begins with this powerful word from God. God speaking into the darkness and bringing life, bringing light, bringing wholeness, bringing a glorious creation with only a word. And, uh, you know, as the Bible progresses, we see throughout the power of the Word. Uh, I want to share with you a couple of my favorite um, Proverbs because uh, Proverbs has some really incredible things to say about, about our words. And, um, you know, some, some scholars have said that the book of James is almost like a, the New Testament version of, of Proverbs. Um, he's echoing so much of these incredible instructions for life that really change and shape the way that we live. So uh, Proverbs eleven twelve. It says, uh, "A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue." Then uh, Proverbs 16.1 says, "To a man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue." And then seventeen twenty eight, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent, and discerning if he holds his tongue. <laughs> That gives hope to, to all of us, right? You know, even, even the fool is thought wise if kept silent. And then, of course, uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, had some incredible things to say about, um, about, about our mouths, about the things that come out of our mouth, about our, about our tongue. Uh, in Matthew 15, uh, he, he says uh, a really incredible thing in response to the Pharisees, in response to what his, um, what his disciples are, are asking about what really makes a man um, clean or unclean. And he says uh, in chapter 15, verse 10 and 11, he says, uh, Jesus called to the crowd and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. So it's... it's, uh, you know, just as James, the brother of Jesus, is saying. It's these things that come out of our mouths that, um, that have such a huge effect. And then another, just one more scripture that was very, very striking to me as I studied this topic through the scriptures. Um, at the end of Romans 1, the Apostle Paul says this. He says that, um, that they have become, you know, people that have, people that have been um, let go and, and, um, and fallen away from God. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Um, incredible that the things that are listed as these, you know, these terrible, evil things... Um, you know, murder, envy, strife. Um, you know, we kind of tend to put these things on different levels. You know, it's like, well, you know, that guy, that guy's a murderer. He's in jail, and I just, you know, gossiped about my coworker. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. But um, Paul seems to put these together, and he seems to to say uh, a really, really interesting thing: is that words words are so powerful. So I think we, we find from the scripture that, um, that words are really, really powerful. That the way that we use our words, the way that we use our tongue is very powerful. Um, you know, I think we sort of all know that. I was, you know, as I was preparing the message this week, I thought, oh, yeah, of course. You know, I know in my heart that uh, the way that I use my words are very powerful. Um, but it's like, I, I felt like for me, I needed a wake-up call. I needed to know... Um, I needed to be reminded how powerful they were. I needed to be reminded that, um, that they have an influence on the people that I work with, on um, my relationship with my wife, on the people that are around me. I mean, words are so, so powerful. And, um, and I think to bring that to the forefront of our minds and to be really thoughtful is part of, is part of why, James, James, um, why the Lord gave us this passage through James. Um, and, of course... Um, as we had read for us, this is a really, really incredible passage that, uh, that James uses these powerful metaphors to convey to us this idea. You know, he talks about horses, ships, and forests. Um, I love these metaphors because they're still in our world today. You know, he, he says that with a bit, you can control a whole horse. Um, I think about how, you know, last year for Christmas, I, I got my wife horseback riding lessons. Uh, because she grew up riding horses. That was a huge part of her life all the way through high school. And, and she hadn't ridden in about 10 years. And believe it or not, you cannot get horseback riding lessons in Manhattan anymore. It's a sad thing. Um, all four of the other boroughs you can. So uh, my wife takes uh, horseback riding lessons about once a month in Prospect Park. They have it there, um, but isn't it incredible that um, that you know this is still a metaphor that we can really resonate with? Um, that we know we can we we can see the horses in Central Park that the NYPD's on. We can see the horses in Prospect Park. Um, you know, even in a in, in a metro area, we we see that um, that horses are controlled by you know small 100 150 pound men and women um, because because of the bit because of uh, of what that does, and we know that that's the the way that it is for us as well. Um, you know, our if we can control our mouth, we control our whole body, we control our mind, we control we control everything. And then uh, and then ships. You know, we look out on the Hudson River and see that that these ships are controlled with these small rudders, and uh, and they can set a whole different course for, for what the rudder is. Uh, and then a forest. I mean, even this summer in the news, um, you know, they had those huge forest fires in Colorado, and we see how um, that, that start, started by a little spark and, and what damage and destruction it leads to. And, um, and it's an incredible metaphor for the way that slander, gossip, speaking bad about someone boasting, for the way it really destroys lives and the way that it destroys community, the way it destroys relationships. And uh, not only do the scriptures teach this very clearly, but it fits so well with, with our own experience. Um, when, I was, when I was a kid, my grandfather passed away when I was four years old. So uh, the next year, my grandmother moved from California up to Washington State, and she got an apartment right down the block from us. And my mother worked when I was young, and so starting in second grade, I would go to my grandmother's apartment every day after school. And it was awesome. It was a kid's dream. They had a swimming pool there. I could watch WGN and watch the Chicago Cubs every afternoon. Um, you know, grandma would make me, uh, you know, chocolate chip cookies, and she would, you know, stuff all this food down my throat. She was, it was awesome. For a 7-, for 8-year-old a kid, it was a, a dream childhood. And I came home once um, from, from my grandma's, and I said to my mom, you know, her daughter, I love grandma because she serves me. And you know those words have come back to bite me, like for the last 20 years. You know, and I was I was just saying that it was very nice, you know, to have to have somebody, you know, waiting on me. And, and you know, when I wanted cookies, Grandma would make them. And I and when I wanted more food, Grandma would give it to me. And I don't really have that at home. You know, maybe that touched a nerve with my mom. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but basically, you know, my mom teased me about it for years and years. Like, oh, you know, you think women should wait on men. You think that I should, you know, just do everything for you. And then, you know, thankfully, she passed that along to Lily as well, my wife. And, you know, so now if I'm, you know, if I'm sitting on the couch watching a game or whatever, hey, Lil, can you grab me a beer? Oh, you, oh, you, you love me because I serve you, right? You, grandma, I mean. So uh, basically... You know, we, we all have something like that. I'm sure that every adult in the room can remember like five things from our childhood very, very vividly. Words that were said to us, words that we said to someone else, you know, good, good, bad, funny, whatever it is. Um, words are very, very powerful. They stick with us. Um, what, um, so that's, you know, we, we can all remember and agree that, uh, that words are so, so powerful. Um, second. What, uh, James identifies two things through this passage that, that we do and the reasons that we need, that we need to uh, tame our tongue, and they're boasting and cursing. And so I want to look at why, you know, why do we really need to tame our tongue? What, what are we doing as we do those things? Um, basically, boasting is, is putting ourselves up. Uh, you know, it's making ourselves into something that we're not. It's uh, it's stretching the truth. It's um you know sometimes it's outright lying. Sometimes it's just um you know something annoying like like bragging or or um you know it's it's just it's just bringing yourself up to try to make yourself look better. And um, several controversies in the last year have arisen. Um, you know, through people doing this. I, w- I was thinking about the, the CEO of Yahoo. You know, he, um, he, was appointed, he, he was the president of PayPal before this, you know, very accomplished guy, and he was promoted to, to be the CEO of, you know, this huge company. And he was dismissed three months later because they found out that he had falsified his, um, his um, job description, his, um, his, his background. You know, he, he claimed that he had a degree in computer science that he didn't have. Um, you know he was he was building himself up, and uh, and saying that he that he that he did th- something that he didn't, and it's you know we can kind of shake our heads and think wow like how did he get to that point in his career with nobody with nobody checking out his resume with nobody doing the background. Um, and it, you know it's easy to point fingers, but I think that we, if we're all you know humble and, and look at our own lives, we we notice that we do that from time to time as well. And uh, he had probably been lying about it for so long that he had sort of forgotten that he didn't that he didn't have that right degree, and um, it it came back to bite him terribly. Um, you know, he was dismissed after a couple months for 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 boasting. Um, secondly, uh, the thing that that James identifies that's uh, just uh, really, really difficult is that uh, he says that we curse uh, you know we curse other people um, and I see that as you know gossiping, um, slandering, um, speaking ill of someone else and so just as just as boasting is is pulling ourselves up, um, cursing is pushing someone else down and um, you know both of those sort of have the same result they're designed to try to make us look better designed to try to um, make us look like we've earned something, that we've done something that, we've ha- that we haven't. And, um, you know, putting others down um, makes me think of, of that old joke, um, you know, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? You know, it's like you, can, you, you say a lot of terrible things about someone else. Uh, you cuss, you curse, and, uh, and then, you know, they, they used to say, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? I mean, is that the same? And that, it's actually what James is saying here. He's sort of giving us the equivalent of the, of the, you know, the ancient version of, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? Like, do you praise God with that mouth too? And then you're going to um, curse all these other people. You're going to insult all these other people. You're going to put them down. And James does an amazing thing um, through this passage. He, 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 he gives us the reason why we shouldn't be doing this. Um, you know, and he roots it in the creation. In verse 9, he says, uh, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, And with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. And what he's trying to do is remind his original hearers and remind us that everyone is made in God's image. Uh, You know, it says in Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, You know, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And, uh, you know, to me, that means that every human being, um, you know, whether they know it or not, whether they acknowledge God or not, whether they follow Jesus or not, Made in God's image, has that spark of creativity, has that spark of relationship and life in them, has a desire to, to know their Creator. Um, and, you know, really everyone should be, should be treated with, uh, with that kind of respect um, and, you know, with just the knowledge that we have of that. Uh, Psalm 8 says that He created us a little lower than the angels, um, you know, a little lower than the heavenly beings. He created every single person. Uh, in in his image, with the desire for relationship. So why you know why do we why do we curse? Why do we slander? Why do we boast? Um, it it's it it really is um, it's an awful thing to to put down one of God's creations. To uh, to to know that they they are made in His image and to and to to put them down to to want to put a curse on them to want to make ourselves uh, look better so third um, you know, what can we do about this we, we acknowledge that words are powerful we acknowledge that boasting and cursing um, is a terrible thing but how do we really control the tongue um, really what James is saying here is that we only control the tongue by a word from beyond ourselves uh, we only control the tongue by, by praising God by praising God for what he's done you know, and we, and we would say that by what he's done in, in Christ. Um, when I was in college, I was in a, in a Bible study with a friend. And these are, you know, one of the, one of the sayings that, that I'll remember, um, that, you know, one of the things that we, that we all remember for a long time is that my friend said that my, my wish is that every word that comes out of my mouth would be prayer. You know, every word that comes out would be a prayer to God. That's kind of the the standard that we're going for. Is uh, you know we acknowledge as as followers of Jesus that uh, that God is everywhere. That God hears every word that comes out of our mouth. That uh, that that it really can be a prayer to Him. That it can be something that's sacred. That it can be an offering to Him, when we're not um, when we're not boasting, when we're not cursing. And that's really um, that's what we're going for. That's how we control the tongue. And it really it's in verse nine the key verse. Um, James does not, you know, we might expect him to, to say, you know, why are, we, why are we cursing other people? You know, don't do that. You should praise other people. You know, why, why, he, he, you know we would expect him to draw that up as opposites. But um, if you'll notice, what he actually does is he draws the, the opposite of, of cursing other people. It's not praising other people, but it's praising God. And that's really the key to how we understand this. He um, he says that uh, that uh, you know we, we live in a culture that says uh, that says that self control is everything. We live in a culture often that speaks about um, you know building each other up and uh, and self esteem. You know, self esteem is a is a really good thing, but it's not salvation. Um, you know, uh, if the Lord blesses us with a family, I want I want our children to uh, to believe in themselves, uh, but more so, I want them to believe in God. Uh, I want them to believe in God and believe in themselves. I want them to high, have a high self esteem, but more than that, I want them to know Jesus. And the, the way that you um, the way that you do that is is to do what James tells us to do here is not um, not always not to. Uh, to replace our cursing of people with praising of people. But to replace the cursing of people with the praising of God. Um, it's not. It's He's not saying that it's self-control. He's not saying that it's having a high self-esteem. He's uh, he's saying that it's. Uh, you know that those things are really just band-aids. That getting to the source of it. Is, uh, is through something that's totally totally different. And that's through. Uh, trusting in God. And not ourselves. Um, you know. We, we do these things. We boast and we curse because we, we're trying to look to our own accomplishments. Because, uh, because we get a little bit of joy and satisfaction when, when other people you know, fall, when other people stumble. And, uh, and, and you know, sometimes we like to point that out. But, uh, but really, the, the way that we get beyond this, the way that we control our tongue is by looking to the Creator, um, by looking to God... Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, by looking to Jesus, who gave His life for us, so that there 's nothing that we have to boast about there 's nothing that we have to curse or put other people down about, we can just rest in what he 's done for us, we can just rest in the accomplishment on the cross um, so that we don 't have to worry about uh, making ourselves look good we don 't have to worry about building ourselves up or pushing other people down. Jesus is really the way that we praise God, and really the way that we that we stop boasting. Um, the way that we do this is we, we find our value in uh, in Jesus dying for us. We uh, we remember and acknowledge how much how great His love for us is, and how He laid down His life for us. and uh, And we don't need to do any of those things that um, that we've done before. We don't need to boast. We don't need to curse. We can just rest. And in that way, we, we can control our tongue, and we can uh, we can be silent when we need to be silent. We can speak the Lord's word to one another. We can encourage each other with our words. And we can praise God with the the lips and the tongue that he's given us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to to open your word and to hear from you. And I, uh, I just pray that you would continue to teach us. You would remind us throughout this week and the rest of this summer... That, uh, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we do have the power to control our tongues, uh, that through you working in us and through us resting in your salvation and resting in what you did on the cross, we, uh, we don't need to live like the world lives. We don't need to uh, gossip. We don't need to slander. We don't need to lie. We don't need to build ourselves up or try to make ourselves something that we're not. Uh, you love us enough to die for us just as we are, and we, uh, we can rest in that, Lord. We can walk out of here, uh, change people, um, controlling our tongue, um, having you do that for us, and, um, and just move forward with the knowledge that, uh, that you want to do that, that you want us to live differently, that you want to, um, to mark out a different path for us. So thank you for this, uh, this book that we are learning so much about this summer, and I pray that you will uh, guide our lives, shape our hearts uh, as we leave from this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.